Stuart Butler, joined today with Misha Bokikio. Hi, everyone. And Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 17. Can you believe we're at 17 already? We're almost ready for college. I know. Unbelievable. All right. So, what's going on in the news? Big news. Uh, Huffington Post came out with a little expose on Expedia and how they got caught dimming hotels who had lower rates than they were offering the hotels. Or offering Expedia. So what happens is Expedia expects the lowest possible rate from hotels. And they base that on what they call their unrestricted rate. So packages don't really count. And hotels that do have lower rates strict on their property, they've been either A, removing the images on Expedia for that hotel. Or simply just pushing them to the very bottom of the hotel results which really does hurt the hotel in terms of OTA bookings. And to me, it's just one more battle that's being fought in the OTAs versus direct bookings. All right, so just, just to clarify, you're not asserting that they're doing this. There was an article that asserted. You're, you're alleging that they did that, right? There's an article that was alleging this. Okay. Uh, they did interview some people from Expedia, and they said that they do, in fact, do that based on what actually the term they use is dimming as well. Dimming. So it's a the property is still showing up on Expedia. It's just so much harder to find. And what Expedia says they do that for a variety of reasons. It's built into their algorithm. It's not intended to be malicious in any way, but it does happen from time to time. Yeah, I mean, we're in a weird, weird situation, right? Because the, the hotels have to rely on the OTAs and a lot of, instances but they don't really like having to so they're kind of frenemies in a lot of ways and this is not going to help Expedia's course I mean so many hotels are looking for ways to and we've done podcasts focusing on this how do you reduce your reliance on the OTAs but you know this is just a to me is is unforgivable that Expedia is doing this well, it's, I mean it's not good from the hotel's perspective, it's definitely not good from a customer's perspective. Mm-hmm. We know customers go to several different sites before they make a booking decision. If they go to Expedia and they see that they're not the lowest rate or they can't find a hotel, mm-hmm. but they can find it on the property direct, they can find it through Travago or Kayak or some other meta type search, they're going to stop going to Expedia. So it kind of seems like a short-term gain at the expense of you know your long-term success. So. Yeah, and this is just one of many issues that have come up recently. We we have a client that's been kind of aggregating data where they've been seeing Expedia putting lower rates than they've given them out, not only on their site, but also on TripAdvisor as well. So that on TripConnect, Expedia shows lower than the property, even though they haven't been given permission to publish that, that lower rate. And, you know, when they're confronted with it, they'll say, oh, it was a mistake, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but... And really, Expedia, they're creating even more enemies out of these hotels that already don't like them. And like, this really looks like it is a direct retaliation of the hotels that are really doing a giant direct booking campaign. So the Marriott's, the Hilton's of the world. It was no secret that when they started really pushing direct and promoting themselves directly against the OTAs, I mean, that pissed some people off. And this looks like their retaliation. Mm-hmm. I mean, is this good or bad for hotels? I mean... 
if you're not showing up and you're not getting, if you're not paying the commissions, great, but also are you missing out on valuable eyeballs? Yeah, it's tricky for, you know, a lot of our clients try to get as low of a OTA percentage as possible, but there are people out there who are relying 40, 50, 60% of their business is OTA traffic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a behemoth like Expedia jumping in there and, you know, removing them, you know, that's going to really hurt. So it doesn't hurt short term. Yeah. And I, to me, it's just, it, it, it just accelerates the inevitable, right? Because we've talked about this before where TripAdvisor is trying to become an OTA. Google is trying to become an OTA. So right now they're, they're doing that through the established OTAs. They're using their, leveraging their rates to make themselves appear like an OTA or a meta search. And hotels are going to form alliances with Google and with TripAdvisor at the expense of Expedia. If, if they can find that distribution somewhere else for cheaper, they don't have to pay 20%, they can pay 12%, of course they're going to do it. You know, So the Expedia, to me, is cutting off their nose to spite their face. They're just accelerating people's dislike for them, and it's gonna, the inevitable is going to come quicker. Mm-hmm. All right, so what is next? So I have an article from Search Engine Land, it's not necessarily hotel specific, but it is really important for all the marketers out there. It's about a week old, and we've actually just started um, using some of the things they recommend. So the article is about how Google just rolled out expanded text ads and device bidding. Um, so just to elaborate on that a little bit more, anyone familiar with Google AdWords knows that it's always a struggle when you have a clever ad and there's just not enough room, you know, you're always one character off, or I feel like I'm always one character too much. So what they've done is they're rolling out expanded text ads. You will see these live um, in AdWords and the editor as well. There's an option to toggle between the two. And what they've done is, so now with the expanded text ads, you have two headlines that have up to 30 characters, which is a huge change. Previously, you had one headline that was 25 characters. And then for the body copy, you have um, one block that you can fill in up to 80 characters, which is a pretty big increase from the way it used to be. They used to have two lines of up to 35 characters. So you're getting tons of extra room on the search engine results, and they've rolled it out for people to experiment with, You know, kind of dip their toes in a little bit. The key thing to note here is that standard text ads, the kind of traditional way it's always been done and the traditional format will no longer be accepted as of October 26th. So if you are running ads in AdWords, go in, check it out. We've already um, you know, started testing this for some of our clients and just to see you know, how they're going to show up and some different ways that you can experiment with these ads. Another thing that was in the article as well is that they Google AdWords released separate device type bidding. So before you could do mobile specific ads in some cases, um, but if you were using certain enhanced bidding options, you didn't have that. So now what they've done is they've fully broken everything out. You can now um, adjust your bids based on whether someone's in a computer, in a tablet, or on a mobile device. So you will have that flexibility as well. So we'll put the link in the show notes. Definitely go check it out. It's got some really good information on um, just the update and you know where you can look for some of the stuff and the dates that you can expect these all to be fully rolled out. Yeah, this is cool. I mean, as a marketer, I'm really excited about this, right? Because it gives us the opportunity to be more creative with the ad copy, to, mm-hmm. to have more calls to action, be more compelling, hopefully get more conversions. But it, 
it also makes me think, well, they're taking up more space. You know, we know they can have up to four ads at the top of the SERP now, and now they're going to be a lot taller as well. So what does that do to organic? You know, how what impact is this going to have for organic? So for hotels who are already struggling because their brand keywords are just overtaken by OTAs, this, this is not good news, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, if, if you're running any pay-per-click ads right now, definitely go in and update your ad copy. Be creative and, and, and test it, but also keep an eye on what effect this has on your organic search. Yeah, in the article, they pointed out that Google is claiming that the new ad format has a 20% increase in click-through rate. So, like you said, it'll be great if you're running on AdWords and you have that space, but... You know, again, like you, to your point, Stuart, you know, it is more room that's going to be, you know, above the fold or above the organic search results. So you're just going to get pushed farther down if you're not playing in that space. Yeah, and the other thing it's going to do is probably mean your budget's going to go up, right? Because now you, if, if your number of clicks is going up 20%, then assuming your, your cost per click stays the same, you can be spending 20% more or your budget's going to be running out 20% quicker if you mm-hmm. have a limited budget. So that's the other consideration. Yeah, I think either way that goes, one thing is for sure. The people who take advantage of this and make the most, they're going to have more real estate on the top of the search results page. If your competitors are up there and you have not gone in and you know taken advantage of the extra characters, you're going to have a little bit of a smaller presence. So it'll be interesting to see. you know, if, if everyone starts putting the same number of characters in, does the conversion rate... And washing out. I mean, because I know obviously in their test they said does, does does better, but is that new format versus old format? <clears throat> right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's it's gonna be interesting. Uh, to me, this is another compelling reason why you should be bidding on your brand as well and trying to be number one in the paid results for your brand. Because if you've got more real estate and you're pushing down the OTAs even more, then you have a better chance of getting that guest versus them going to an OTA. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's the news. So let's talk about our topic of the day. So we've done this kind of format before where we found an article that we really enjoyed and just wanted to share it with you and kind of give our own little spin on it. So that's what we're doing today. We found an article on Hospitality Net by uh, a lady called Sarah um, Sarah Kame, and she works with Guest Review, and we'll put links to the full article on uh, the show notes and also a link to Guest Review as well in hospitality net but this article basically was talking about six ways that you can help to change a guest from just being a guest into someone that promotes your brand and helps you market the brand which obviously as marketers we're always looking for an an edge over our competition and if you have a great property a great product with a great experience then leveraging your guests is obviously a very cost-effective cheap way to get a lot of word of mouth attention right so she had six that we'll go through one by one and just kind of discuss those and again this is not our original content this came from uh, Sarah Kane with guest review via hospitality net and if you go to fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 17 you'll get links to that original article as well yeah this is a really cool article and it goes beyond just you know the headline turning loyal guests into promoters what you're also doing is solidifying your current guest history to come back over and over again. Yeah, it builds loyalty. Yeah, sure. well, I mean, exactly. You figure if you're on Facebook constantly saying how much you love visiting a certain hotel, 
next time you go on vacation, you kind of feel that you need to stay at that hotel because you're now vested in that hotel success. You know, you've promoted it to your fans and you don't want to go back and say, well, I changed my mind. I don't like them anymore. Yeah. So let's go through this list. So Misha, what's, what's number one? Number one is user-generated content. So I completely agree with Sarah in this article. She says it's, you know, UGC, as it's called for short, is a little bit of a buzzworthy word. And I think, you know, you can both agree that we've heard that term more in the past year than we have in the previous 10 years. So hotels are definitely taking advantage of this and marketers in general. So I think really what, you know, she means by this is that, you know, you have your guests that have stayed with you before, use some of what they're saying about you, you know, all of the good things, their good experiences, you know, use that to your advantage. So, you know, whether it's a good review or you get a guest shares a really good image, use that content to your benefit with permission, of course, but repost that to your social feeds, you know, perhaps pull that in on a feed on your website, really use all of this good things that people are saying about you to your advantage and share that. Yeah, and that that typically used to be very manual, right? Especially on your website, you either had to build something proprietary to feed things in, or you would grab it and publish it in your content management system. But there are tools out there now that make this really easy. And the, the one that is my favorite, we've talked about a couple of times on the podcast, is Flip2, flip.to. Mm-hmm. And they basically, that's what they do. They have software that helps you aggregate content from consumers, photos and comments and what they call memories, and then publish it on your website and then share and, and socially engage with it. So if, if, if user-generated content is something that you're interested in trying, then I would definitely recommend checking out Flip.2 because they, they do a great job. Yeah, and with user-generated content, the most important thing that is in this article also is it's beyond your website. It's not user-generated content by customers on your hotel website. Yeah, that's a part of user-generated content. But you know, when that's been done in the past and years ago before you had the you know, automation processes to pull Facebook and different types of information to your site, that fell flat a lot of times. You know, if you had a review platform on your standalone hotel website, but nobody posts a review and there's one review from a year ago, you know, then it becomes kind of a failure and you want to get that off of your site. But you know, in this sense, getting the people to create that user-generated content in their own social profiles takes that off of the hotel's shoulders from a development perspective and you know, lets the customers manage it on their own. And I think one thing that the article points out, too, that's you know, really important to keep in mind is that user-generated content is, across the board, seen as trustworthy, mm-hmm. more so than something the hotel would put out themselves. Of course... As a hotel, you're going to say, we're great. You should stay here. We have clean rooms. Like, of course, you're going to say that. But when it's coming from an unrelated third party, you're a lot more likely to trust that. So trustworthiness from a perspective is, you know, really one of the major benefits to this. Yeah, it's essentially the new modern day word of mouth is what we're talking about. And we recently have conducted a, st- a survey. We haven't published the study yet. That's probably going to be out here in the next few weeks. But we were asking people about on the website and and what influences them during the booking process in that that testimonial reviews photos from other guests that have actually experienced it that is really really high up on the influence of, of what why they would book with you so it's really really important uh, the more you can engage your guests to publish on social media on your website wherever it is and share the, the better so what's number two Pete so number two is go after repeat guests 
if you've had someone staying at your property, continue to engage them and get them to, you know, come back to the property and, and maintain, you know, that relationship with you. Yeah, and this is important because, you know, if, if someone's returned to your property, that obviously means they had a positive experience the first time and there's a reason that they came back. So trying to trying to encourage them to share with you and with the world what that reason is, what is, what is compelling you to come back to my property. Uh, it's a lot easier to do it with someone that's come back and returned than someone that's just experienced it for the first mm-hmm. time. So I agree 100% with this point that return guests are way more important with this strategy than first-time guests. And make them feel special. One thing that I point out is, you know, that you can do little things on your end, like maybe offering a special perk or whether it's a personalized in-room item. Um, But going out of the way to make your repeat guest feel special, that's only going to continue to help them be a repeat guest and encourage them to share that experience. Yeah, Choice has a really cool program where they have their repeat guests. They always get an extra little goodie box. They may have some couple cookies in it and a couple bottles of water, but it's enough that you know when you show up there, you stay at their property several times. You know that you're going to be getting something that nobody else gets. And honestly, a lot of times that's enough knowing that you're be giving getting something that other people aren't. It makes you feel special. For sure. All right, number three was don't sell, inspire. I really, really like this one. This is something that. We try to preach to our clients, it's, you're, you're not selling hotel rooms. At the end of the day, you're selling an experience. You know, whether it's somebody who is, you know, driving across the country and they really just need a stay, place to stay overnight. They've been driving for 10 hours and they're just ready to pass out. Or if you're in a destination and someone has saved, you know, for the entire year to come to this vacation, obviously each experience is going to be different, but they're staying with you for a reason. And it's not just because you're a bed, it's because you offer something unique and, you know, you really need to keep that in mind and go above and beyond to provide that experience. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that this reminds me of is if you go back to February 25th, there's another podcast that I listened to. It's a Skift podcast. They had a great one where they talked to the, it was the vice president of global creative and content marketing with Marriott. His name is uh, David Beebe. But he talked about how they created the experience for a customer by building content. And one of the pieces of that article that I thought was really interesting was they asked him, well, how much content you know, did you produce? And he goes, actually, we didn't produce much content at all. We only did one or two articles per day. And I was like, wow, that's a ton of content from a hotel's perspective. But it's interesting. They put that much time into inspiring that that travel. And it's worked very, very well for, for them. Yeah, and like you said, through content, I mean, this could be an on-property experience. So it could be how someone is greeted or, you know, something personalized in the room. Like you pointed out the, the guest box that you get at Choice Hotels. Or it could be on your social channels, really selling the destination, selling your property. So it doesn't have to be necessarily on the property. It's the entire experience from when they're dreaming of a vacation or to when they're in the car thinking about where they're going to stop up until that point at checkout. Yeah, I think it comes back to that one of my favorite marketers, we talked about him before as well, is Jay Bear. And, uh, you know, he, he always talks about the difference between selling and helping is only a couple of letters, but it's huge in terms of the influence it has on people. And I think inspiring and helping could be synonymous in this regard. But 
be genuine when you're interacting with people, whether that's on email, social, your website, in person, at the property, and every member of staff from front desk to, to housekeepers, make sure that you're genuinely looking out for the interest of the guest and trying to help them. And that could be when they're coming to the front desk to ask for recommendations for dinner. You know, don't just blurt out the first thing that comes to mind. Get to know the guest and understand what they like and don't like and make it personal. Mm-hmm. And a perfect example there is take that a step farther. If they are looking for a place to eat for a steakhouse, mm-hmm. give them some recommendations, but then pick up the phone and say, hey, this is so-and-so at the Marriott. You do have any reservations. Yeah. Take it one step farther every time you can. Yeah, don't just do the bare minimum. If you do what's expected, that's good. But do what's unexpected, that's great. And that's where you're going to create loyalty, affinity, and these brand evangelists. All right, what's number four? Number four is to engage with your guest. And guest meaning past, present, and prospective guests. So I thought this was obviously another excellent point. And I was just thinking about this, that it doesn't mean necessarily on property. So sure, when guests are on property, if they encounter a staff member, you know, Go out of your way to be helpful. Don't just answer the question, but really listen to them. If they have a problem, do everything you can to solve it. Like on property, also very important. But to this point, you know, prospective guest, if you're on social media, which you should be, doing some social listening, you know, responding to reviews, or if people have questions, you know, do a little bit of research and start answering people's questions about your destination or about your hotel and really start engaging people throughout that entire process, whether it's on property or if it's just online. Yeah, it's a, it's about treating people as people and as individuals, you know, and that can be simple as personalizing the emails you send or the website experience. But ultimately, it's about one-to-one connections. And people like Hilton have done a great job of this on Twitter where they'll they'll let you ask them questions and answer them or even try to find people that have questions about, like you said, destinations. They're not necessarily staying with Hilton, but Hilton wants to genuinely help these people have a good experience because they know next time they come to that destination, Mm -hmm. now there's a better chance they're going to stay with the Hilton property. So treat people as individuals and, you know, treat them how they want to be treated. Yeah, I have a good example of this, actually. So I had a meeting at one of the hotels in Myrtle Beach. It was from one of the groups that I'm involved with. And it was in one of the meeting rooms in a hotel that I was unfamiliar with. So I walked into the front desk, and I'm not a hotel guest. I'm just confused walking around the lobby. Well, an employee happened to see me and said, Oh, excuse me, miss, you know, were you looking for something? I said, Oh, I'm just looking for, you know, the, the meeting I was going to, the name of the meeting. And he said, Oh, sure, it's up in room, blah, blah, blah. But instead of just telling me where it was, he's like, let me go ahead and take you there. So he escorted me to the elevator, walked me up to the room, you know, handed me off to where the meeting was. It wasn't just like, oh, yeah, it's here. Or he didn't just ignore me as I was walking by. You know, he acknowledged me and really, you know, completely solved my problem because I was unfamiliar with the property. Yeah, it makes such a difference when you actually feel like you're valued. Yeah, and I think one of the things that, Misha, I mean, from your perspective, you're probably going to be more likely next time you get to be in that area to choose that hotel to stay at. Oh, absolutely. The most important time to start selling a new guest or a prospective guest is when they're in the property. So you've already secured the first booking. The moment they put their feet on the floor in your hotel, you should be selling them and helping that guest to want to come back. And that's really the, the first thing that you need to do mm-hmm. to, to really instill that sense of confidence and affinity. 
Yeah, you're trying to earn their business, right? Mm-hmm. And and so you have to work hard each and every time that you interact with them on on online or in person. You have to earn their appreciation so that they do come back and they do talk about you. You know, a lot of that can also be done in an automated fashion. Getting a great triggered email campaign can go so far into creating that personalized experience. If someone has stayed with you in the past, you know you have a ton of data on that person. Setting up campaigns where if you know their birthday, send them a birthday message. If you know that they stayed at your property a year ago, send them a message saying, you know, you stayed oceanfront in this type of room last year. We hope you had a great time. Did you know that it's still available? And constantly go there and make those personal connections with that person. We hope you enjoyed this event while you were in town last year. Whatever it might be, to continually engage that guest all the way up to the next time they stay. Yeah, I think that personalization is key there. And I know email in particular has come a great deal closer to being where we need to be. And there's some really great programs. And we actually have a blog article that we wrote a couple weeks ago about automated emails. So we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes as well. Cool. What's next? So next one is asking for reviews. And this is one that it, it bewilders me that people don't do this just as part of the course. Why wouldn't you ask for a review? Right. I mean, do it in the right way and don't don't be overt about it and stick cards in people's faces and force them to do it. But just, hey, when you someone had a good experience and they let you know, I appreciate it, say, well, thank you. It would really help us out if you would leave a review on TripAdvisor mm-hmm. or Google, wherever you're directing people. You know, asking people face-to-face or in a post-state email, you know, it, it doesn't hurt. It's only going to help. And you can you can kind of be a little manipulative in, in terms of ushering the positive sentiment to online review platforms versus the negative by asking a few qualifying questions first. Like, would you recommend this property to a friend? If they say no, don't say, please leave a review. Yeah. But if they say yes, you better believe you can say, well, if you don't mind, don't incentivize it. That's that's unethical. But certainly saying, would you mind leaving a review? It helps us serve more people, you know. Yeah, I mean, not only is it unethical, it's, if it's on TripAdvisor, they can come after you. And they have come after a lot of hotels for incentivizing and, you know, pushing reviews to their platform. But when you see someone who's having a great time, incentivize, or not incentivize, but help that person leave the great review. It also helps when that person says they haven't had a great experience. Well, they just gave you a personal review that there's a problem. Take that opportunity to turn someone who's going to give you three stars into someone who's going to give you five by going out of your way to make, you know, solve that problem and really show that your customer service is second to none. Yeah, your goal should be everyone leaving that property wants to leave a five-star review. I mean, right. if, if you've got people leaving that don't feel that way, I mean, you're not going to please, please 100% of people all the time, but do everything you can and make sure everyone's happy within reason. And it's amazing what people will do if you just ask them. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're yeah. afraid of scaring people off, I mean, that's this is just a common practice. So just ask them, whether it's mm-hmm. an automated email, whether it's at the front desk, if they're checking out, just ask. Yeah, I, I've never seen anyone get angry with it. And I've never seen anyone leave a review that says, I was going to leave a five-star review, but now they <laughs> asked me to leave a review, so it's one-star. You know, so what's the worst that can happen? They'll say no, or they won't leave a review. Well, they probably weren't going to leave a review anyway. So there's no harm in just asking. Just be polite about it and don't act you know, selfish about it. Yeah, yes, it's you're doing something to benefit you, but 
hopefully it benefits other potential guests too because these guests that had a good time are going to tell other people why they had a good time. Okay, maybe for people that like certain hobbies, this is the property for you, or certain styles of food, this is the kind of property for you. So it, it helps other potential guests as well. Yeah. Not only that, and there's just kind of one more thing on, on the ability to leave reviews. For a few of our clients, we have tools that you know help guests leave reviews internally and then also you know, send them over to TripAdvisor to leave reviews there as well. What we found is the staff steps up when they think that they're going to have reviews about them. So if they know that everyone is going to get asked to, hey, leave a review, that's kind of putting that customer service top of mind with all the employees to step up. But I mean, from an employee's perspective, sometimes it's, they just don't want to be the one you know, who says, you know, Stuart and housekeeping was real pain and you know, threw my sheets out the window or whatever, <laughs> whatever you would do if you were in housekeeping. Yeah, but I think it's important. You know, one of the things to do is, is to engage all your staff with the concept of reviews by sharing the positive and the negative with them in your team meetings. You know, talk to them about why it's important. Share with them the guest stories so that they get it, so that they understand what influence they can have on these people on their vacation and on whether or not they leave a review. And it adds to satisfaction of your employees too. If they're getting pats on the back because people said, hey, Pete in housekeeping actually did know what he was doing. I got a cover for Stuart in housekeeping. Yeah, Stuart's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but Pete saved the day once again. All right, so that kind of takes us to making sure all the guests are happy. Uh, the last one on the list is don't settle for satisfaction, aim for delight. Yeah, so delight is this, to me, this is one of those words that I'm seeing over and over again recently. I feel like this is going to be the leading into 2017 delight is one of those buzzwords like mm. two, a year or two ago it was be remarkable or people jumping on the zappos bandwagon of wow with customer service i think delight is that new buzzword i've mean, seen it a lot but i agree with it you know and a lot of a lot of times delight is is stuck together with surprise surprise mm. and delight i've used it a couple times on the podcast but i'm seeing it more and more but um you know loyalty to me has always been seen by a lot of people in hotels as can I get people to stay multiple times? If they do, then I reward them. I think there's a fundamental shift in the hospitality industry away from long-term loyalty being looked at as incentive incentives for people coming back and people trying to do this surprise and delight or instant gratification or instant rewards just by being frequenting my hotel, right? So that could manifest in a form of people that book with me direct versus OTAs get high speed internet versus people that book with the OTAs get basic internet. It could be that, you know what, just cause you stay with us, I'm going to automatically give you 10% off at a restaurant or bar. It's stuff that they didn't expect when they booked and they get there and it surprises them. It delights them. goes above their expectations. Now you've gotten hooked and they're going to want to tell people about that. You'll never guess what these guys did. They did things that I didn't expect. That's when you can keep someone. Yeah, I mean, it's the example we went over last week with Petey the Giraffe, where his real name was Joshy. Joshy his the name's Joshy, not Petey. <laughs> uh, but that's a perfect example of the Ritz aiming for delighting that guest instead of simply sticking the kid's stuffed animal back in a box and shipping off to them. Yeah, that they, would have satisfied them, but they delighted him. Right. And then he went and remarked on it on yep. social media. Yeah, for me, this one spoke, um, you know, hit me kind of personally because 
I've never worked in a hotel, but I have grown up in the hospitality and I've waited tables for many, many years before I landed the job here. Thanks, Stuart, for saving me. But one of the restaurants that I worked at for a long time, it was a fine dining chain. And they really, really, really went above and beyond from a training perspective and preparing us to what they called enchant guest. So that was their buzzword that they used was enchant. And they also used um, create raving guests, create raving fans of our brand, of our restaurant. And so this is, you know, that same mindset is something that you can use for your hotel and really setting up your staff to create that experience. And we had expectations on our end that we were held to. So we, for a few examples, um, I was a hostess there as well. So whenever we had that first initial touch point with the guest, they had um, in their PMS system, we would collect as much data about that person as possible. That would remain there. So every single time somebody made a reservation, we had all of that information present, whether it was their name, phone number, um, you know, email address to get them on the list, um, if it was their birthday or anniversary, if it's a special occasion. And then that information was relayed to the service staff. So as a server, I would know a lot about that person before they even came to my table. And throughout the evening, we were required to address that person by their name at least three times. You know, we were required to, if it was a special occasion, to acknowledge that. And then we would give them a free dessert for whatever it was. So there was just a lot of things in the training aspect of it that we were expected to go above and beyond. And then you could tell it made such a big difference on the service end. I mean, it, this was obviously fine dining service. So, you know, a lot of people had know it's an expensive restaurant. A lot of people, it's a once a year type thing, or they haven't been to this type of restaurant before. So it was a lot of work on our end, but it was really cool to see like just getting a free dessert or, you know, just calling somebody by their name, like what a big impact it had on their experience and their perception of the brand. So it was really cool. And like I said, that just kind of spoke to me. And that's something that, you know, Whatever hotel you are, whether it's, you know, a high end, low end, middle end, you know, just training your staff and preparing them to provide that experience and then holding them accountable for it. Yeah, Misha, you're dead on with the, you know, the experience and getting the staff involved. When it comes to really delighting a guest, it is all about the staff delighting the guest, not the specific hotel. It is the housekeeper that realizes that you go through a lot of towels because you have a family there and, you know, gives you plenty of towels. It's the person going above and beyond to get you checked into your room early, making sure that you have a free drink if there's a problem. And just, it's going to be the staff that creates that brand for you. So building that culture within your resort to everyone has to go above and beyond and create the incentives as well. You know, there's, there's no reason you can't say that every great review that is spurred by a guest, you know, you get you know, a you know, free hour, you know, lunch or whatever else it might be. You can come up with different incentives to, to create that culture in your business. Yeah, I've seen properties now that have their compensation for the managers is tied directly to the reviews mm-hmm. on TripAdvisor. I think that's a, a novel idea. There, there's a property we just started working with, which I really like, because they, they take this to a whole other level in, in terms of one-to-one relationships between the guests and their employees. They they don't take a credit card at all at the beginning of the stay or during the stay. So if I dine at the restaurant, then every single staff member knows who I am. They know my name. They address me by name. I don't have to do anything but eat at the restaurant and they'll add it to my folio and I, I pay for it at the end of the stay. 
But so during the whole stay, I just feel like I'm at home. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to tip anyone. Again, I tip at the end if I want to. That's perfectly my choice. But they've just taken this personal touch to a whole nother level. And it shows in their reviews. They're number one on TripAdvisor for their destination. And they do a phenomenal job. All right, so that those are the six uh, points that Sarah uh, made in her article on Hospitality Net. We'll, again, link to that. Thank you, Sarah, for writing the article. It was really good. It inspired us, obviously, with this episode. We did try to reach out to you. I could not find you on Twitter, so I tried to connect on LinkedIn. So hopefully you didn't mind us talking about you today. It was all positive, and uh, we'd love to see more of what you have to write. If you go to Hospitality uh, Net, Dot org, then you can actually click on this article, which we'll link to in the show notes. And Sarah's written a bunch of other articles that are really cool as well. So go check those out. And again, she works with uh, guest review. And we'll link to them within the show notes as well. So guys, any final thoughts? Yeah, I think the, the one thing I'd wrap this up with is always work to make your guests feel like they're ready to come back the moment they step foot on your property. Make it such an amazing experience that they're going to engage their friends on social media. They're going to engage, you know, the review platforms like TripAdvisor, and they're going to be planning their next return trip. It all comes down to just, you know, the word she used here, which is delight. Mm -hmm. Lisa? That ties right into what I was going to say. I mean, I think Sarah did a good job of wrapping up her article with the last point. Don't settle for satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Like, good is not good enough. You should to use the buzzword delight, you should enchant, you should make that guest want to rave about you. I mean, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what's important. Did they have a good experience? Yes or no. And that a majority of the time, if not every single time should not just be yes, but it should be absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I'll add to that, that it's, you know, just think of every guest as an individual, not as the guest staying in room 13, but this is Pete DeMeo with his family and you know his wife and two daughters and treat anticipate what their needs are going to be because their their needs are going to be unique to someone that's just staying on their own at the property you know on a business trip so like pete said it might be extra towels you know it might be hey let's give some stickers to the kids because that's going to get them excited and if you get a family's kids excited then the parents going to be happy right so just treat everyone as an individual treat every guest you know, for who they are, try to understand them. Like Misha's talked about with the restaurant she used to work at, try to collect data on these people so that you can better serve them. We're in the service industry. We're in the hospitality industry. Be hospitable, service these people as individuals. And the rest of this stuff will happen automatically. You can encourage it by asking for reviews and asking for user generated content, etc. But a lot of it's going to happen organically if you do a great job operationally. In operations and marketing are one and the same these days. They, they should not be treated separately because whatever you do operationally at the property is going to have a huge impact on your marketing. So uh, where can they find you guys on the web, Peter? They can find me on Twitter at PDimeo, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. Misha. You can stalk me and also send me cat gifts and or wine at Marketing Misha. That's at marketing, M-E-I-S-H-A. Wait, is that wine gifts or actual wine? Preferably actual wine. I'm not sure what the laws are on that. I know there's a wine club if anybody wants to sign me up for that. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, cat they, and wine gifts. They could fine. sign you up for that and just ship it to the office. Yeah. You know, go to fueltravel.com. Our address is right at the bottom, <laughs> the Myrtle Beach office. 
Wait, aren't we like angry socks picture frame? Oh, you what can was our that yeah. three word thing? <laughs> Don't even. Um, I'm gonna rant again about that one day. <laughs> Drives me crazy. <laughs> All right, you can find me at Stuart Butler, S T U A R T B U T L E R on Twitter, and you can find us collectively at Fuel Travel and on the web at fueltravel.com. Again, if you want to look at these show notes and get to Sarah's original article, it is uh, fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 17. And we'll also, you know, we mentioned Flip 2 earlier in the um, episode. We'll link to them as well as anything else we talked about today. But until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm testing in my mumbly 90s voice. I want to be with you. <laughs>